The Steve Lobby Agency presents The Christian Publishing Show, a podcast for writers who want to advance Christ's kingdom using the written word. Here's your host, Thomas Umstadt Jr. Welcome to the third and final episode in my series about what I am looking for as an agent. Now, previously, we talked about courage in episode two and hustle in episode three, and I'll have links to those episodes in the show notes if you would like to listen to them. But in this episode, we are going to talk about the third thing I'm looking for, and that is resonance. Now, you may be wondering, why am I not looking for platform? And I do want to talk a little bit about platform and why platform is often what publishers look for. So Michael Hyatt popularized the term when he started blogging about it about 10 years ago. And it caught on and kind of spread around the industry. He later wrote a book about it, and we'll link to that book. And that's a good book. I like the book platform. It's got a lot of useful advice. Some of it is a little dated now because the internet moves so quickly. But a lot of it is, is fundamentally sound, I would say. And platform is useful for publishers because it's an indication of whether books will sell or not. It helps them predict the success of the book. It doesn't necessarily make the book successful, but it correlates really strongly. Authors without platforms typically fail to sell books, uh, especially in nonfiction. And so publishers will give more money, uh, bigger advances to authors with big platforms. And Haidt used his understanding of platforms uh, to acquire a lot of the top authors. And you know, ultimately, Thomas Nelson is the biggest Christian publishing company. And so all of that is true, but I would like to say, and to quote the big short, it ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble, it's what you know for sure that just ain't so. So a lot of authors, when they look at platform, they're like, oh, I've got to get big platform numbers for publishers to be interested in me. And the reason why publishers, savvy publishers, are interested in platform is not necessarily for the platform itself, it's what the platform indicates. And what the platform can indicate is resonance. And the problem with platform is that it's gameable by savvy authors. You know, there's lots of games that authors play, like follow me on Twitter and I'll follow you back and we'll both look like we're more famous. Buying fake followers. There's websites where you can go and buy 50,000 followers, 500,000 followers, and suddenly you look like you have half a million people following you on Instagram or following you on Twitter. Uh, a, po- a technique that was popular back in the day was what was called follower churn, where you would follow a lot of people on Twitter, and the ones who'd follow you back, you know, you'd keep following them, you'd unfollow the ones who don't follow you back, and you keep doing that as you churn your way up to getting lots and lots of followers. And there's many other ways that, you know, technically savvy authors can game the metrics and make it look like they are bigger than they really are. It's kind of like those um, one-story buildings in the Old West, you know, where they'd have this facade that would make them look like they're a two- or three-story building, but in reality, it's mostly fake. Uh, The other thing about platform, especially as I've seen it used recently, is that it focuses too much on social media. It focuses on Instagram, on Facebook, and Twitter, and the kind of the very obvious, you know, numbers. And I think that that is a mistake because it fails to account for engagement. It fails to... account for passion. Engagement is really difficult to measure on social media without expensive tools, and I have not seen any authors using the expensive tools 
uh, that like corporations use to measure engagement. And I will say those those tools really are priced for a corporation. So it makes sense for Pepsi to spend $500 a month or $5,000 a month for some social media tools. It doesn't make sense for an author to spend that kind of money. Uh, and so often the tools aren't available or you know they're prohibitively expensive. Even $50 a month seems like a lot of money for social media measurement <laughs> services. Um, another problem with platform is that it fails to take into account the number one reason why people buy books. And this is word of mouth. Just because I follow you on Twitter doesn't mean I'm going to buy your book. It doesn't mean that if I buy your book, I'm going to read your book. And if I read your book, it doesn't mean I'm going to recommend your book to my friends and talk about you. It doesn't capture any of those things. And that is ultimately what leads to success. It is that word of mouth, that viral spread of person to person uh, from one reader to another. And then the final problem with platform is it fails to take into account the author's influence with influential people. There used to be a service that uh, at least tried to capture this on Twitter called Clout uh, that would give you a clout score based off of how you know influential you were and how influential you were with other influential people. But Clout now no longer exists. And if to get that data, you have to pay a lot of money. <laughs> You'll see there's a trend here and, and people typically aren't paying that money. And that number isn't as... Um, you know, transparent. It used to be you could get a browser extension on Chrome that would, you know, next to everyone's Twitter account, tell you what their clout score was. That doesn't exist anymore. Social media has really changed over the last five years, and it's really becoming a money game. It's a place to go and spend money. It's not the free place to promote book books it used to be. All right, so let's talk about the more useful metric. I would like to teach you a better way, and that is resonance. Now, to explain resonance, uh, it's a musical term. A note can resonate in a room to make the whole room vibrate to the tone of that note. Uh, you'll notice, you know, sometimes in a bathroom it's where it's really small, all by yourself, you can make the whole bathroom hum to that certain tone. You go up a little bit, you go up, down a little bit, suddenly it's like it gets quiet and you're not resonating with the room. It's why some tones can break a wine glass while others can't at the same volume. So I can have two different speakers and two different wine glasses and they're both of the speakers are at volume five and one is causing the class to break and the other is not. In physics, resonance is a term, uh, I guess the best way to explain it, it's, it's like pushing a child on a swing. So if you resonate with the frequency of the swing, you're pushing the child as she swings away from you. You're encouraging the swing to go in the direction that it's already wanting to go. If you get that frequency wrong, your push just happens and there's no child to push, or even worse, you push the child off the swing or the child knocks you over. So being in sync, being in resonance is really important. And as a novelist, you have resonance when your story resonates with the story going on in someone's heart, where they feel like your story, the one that you're writing, is their story in some way. They see themselves as Luke Skywalker. They see themselves as your protagonist or as somebody else in your story. And you're pushing them in the direction they are already wanting to go on the swing. In nonfiction, uh, you have resonance when someone says, yes, that's what I've been feeling recently. I've been feeling the same way. This is what I saw with my blog post that went viral, had a million views in just a few weeks. The number one comment was, yes, I've been feeling the same way. I'm glad someone said something. That is an indication of resonance. And that's why my blog, which went from went from 2,000 uh, views in a month to a million views in a month. That's 
a huge jump. And it's a jump because finally I wrote something that resonated with a certain community. Now, I'm going to be using a term called zeitgeist in this episode, and I thought it would be a good idea to define it. So zeitgeist is the general intellectual, moral, and cultural climate of an era, uh, according to Merriam-Webster Dictionary. And I do want to apologize. The word zeitgeist is super pretentious. I realize that. The problem is there's just no better word. (laughs) So forgive me as we talk about resonance and zeitgeist. So there's three kinds of authors. The first is authors without resonance. This is most authors, and they are out of tune with the music around them. Most of, uh, especially uh, this is true with authors who don't have a lot of sales. So often the, the lack of sales can be explained by a lack of resonance. They're, they're just not singing quite the right music, and maybe they're just out of tune a little bit, but that's actually worse in some ways if you listen to music that's out of tune a little bit than music that's out of tune a lot. These are authors who are out of sync with the zeitgeist, as we would say, or uh, they're pushing and there's no swing and in front of them to push. Uh, Their timing is just off. Now, the second group of authors are authors with resonance. They're in tune with the music around them. Uh, They're in sync with the zeitgeist. They're pushing the swing in the direction that it's already going. And these are the kinds of authors who typically and regularly write best-selling books. They are grooving with the music. (laughs) They hear the music, and what they are making is in tune with the music that everyone else is singing. The third type of author, the rarest, the unicorn, the rarest kind of author is authors who make their own resonance. This is where your kind of unknown author who comes out of nowhere and writes a runaway surprise best-selling book. These are authors who change the zeitgeist. They cause people around them to sing a different tune or to change the way they sing their tune. They are pushing the swing right before it's about to change directions. And this is very hard to predict ahead of time. It's really hard. You know, as an agent, I wish I had this crystal ball and I could see where culture is going to be in a year, where, you know, the church is going to be in a year. And it's hard. And often you're like, well, you're expecting trends to continue, right? The swing has been moving towards you all this time. You know, I'm going to push the swing in a different direction. Oh, that's crazy. Uh, You know, the swing has been moving back in this direction for several years, but there comes a tipping point where suddenly the swing is like, frozen in space, right? And if you push at that moment, you can cause the swing to swing even higher and stronger in the other direction. This is almost impossible to do. And I would say for some communities in some years, no author successfully pulls this off. Uh, So it's very, very rare. You know, somewhere someone is changing the zeitgeist, right? Culture is always changing, but it doesn't happen in every subculture every year. And uh, every author wants to be in this third category, and it is really, really hard. So how do you find your resonance? You, you now understand what resonance is. You want to write a book that resonates with your readers. How do you do it? Well, I've got three things that kind of comprise resonance. And these are the three things I'm looking for in a resonant author. And the first one is that resonance is about timing. Culture changes over time. You don't want to be too early uh, and you're out of step with the zeitgeist uh, where you're pushing the girl off the swing, right? You have to wait for that swing to climax to get to its highest point before you start to push. Too late and you're cliche. You're pushing after the swing has already left and it just, what you say gets lost in the noise. And very often there'll be some book that's very, 
uh, innovative, very kind of groundbreaking. And then very quickly, you'll have lots of books that come afterwards who are trying to ride on its coattails. And you can have books that are successful, even that ride on those coattails if they're quick enough and they're fast enough. And then you have the millions of books that come after that are just kind of noise in that cliche because the swing has already swung past. And this is why it's so important to read books in your genre. More on that in a bit. All right. The second element of resonance is resonance is about audience. Each community vibrates at its own frequency. Each culture and subculture sings its own music. And we live in a country with millions of subcultures, and they're all singing different music. The kind of women who walk into a Lifeway looking for a certain kind of book to buy are singing a very specific kind of music, and they are different than the kind of person who's going on Amazon Kindle looking for a book to buy. And I can show you in the stats that the kinds of people buying Kindles are buying different books than the kinds of people buying paperbacks at Lifeway. They're singing different music. You know, the Christians buying books on Amazon, the Christians buying books at Lifeway are singing music that's somewhat in tune with itself as opposed to somebody who's going to, you know, some new age bookstore and buying a book uh, or, you know, looking for new age books on Amazon. There's many, many subcultures and you don't want to be in sync with all of them and you can't, right? You have to pick a key. You have to sing in a certain key and you have to be in sync with a certain community and being in sync with that community means not being in sync with every community. You have to watch the motion of a specific swing in order to push at the right time. Saying your book is for everyone is like standing at a bank of swings trying to push all of the swings at the same time. And if you've ever watched kids swinging on a swing set, they're all going at different rates, and that won't work. You have to pick a community. You have to pick a niche. You have to pick an audience that you're trying to thrill. And it's it's hard But you can't resonate with every community. Being in sync with one means you're not in sync with others. And women in nursing homes and men on basketball teams don't read the same books. What will thrill one will not thrill the other. And this is really hard, especially for beginning authors. They often pick, you know, audiences for their books that are incredibly broad. They're trying to push the whole bank of swings. But what is the path to success is to pick a single swing, get that swing really moving, and get all the other swings that will want to swing with that swing. You need to know who your book is not for. You need to know who you're okay if they are unhappy with your book. I was talking with an author recently who had an atheist uh, do a video about how terrible this author was and how terrible this author's ideas were. Well, if you're a Christian author writing for Christians about Christian topics, the fact that atheists don't like what you have to say shouldn't matter. (laughs) They're not going to buy your book. They're not your audience. In fact, it can be an indication that you are saying the right things if they are being made angry. You know, let's reverse that. What if the, you know, the Christians you're writing for are angry and atheists are like, yeah, you're saying the right stuff. That may be an indication that you're not writing the right stuff. (laughs) You're definitely not writing the right stuff to reach a Christian audience. And it's, it's hard to be okay with people being unhappy about your book. But once you get there, it's incredibly liberating. It's very freeing to be like, I don't care what you think. You are not my target audience. And everyone has a target audience. Even Jesus had a target audience. His earthly ministry was focused on the Jews. When a Gentile woman came to him asking for help, he said, 
I'm not here to talk to the dogs. I'm here to talk to the children. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people are like, why would he say that? Uh, but the reality was he knew that he had to focus on the Jews and more specifically on the 5,000 and more specifically on the 72 and more specifically on the 12 who went with him everywhere and more specifically than that on the three, Peter, James, and John that were in on his uttermost secrets, right? And that focus is what ultimately led to the gospel resonating around the earth. You know, the three encouraged the 12, who encouraged the 3,000, who went from Jerusalem to Samaria to the uttermost parts of the world. And focus requires trusting that God will raise up someone else to reach the people that you are not reaching. Jesus had to trust that God was going to raise up Paul and Apollos and the others to take the gospel into the Gentile world. He interacted with a few Gentiles here and there, but there's no indication that I can find in Scripture that he ever set foot in a Gentile house. And it was, uh, you know, the woman, you know, to finish the story, you know the the story, you know, she's like, yes, but even the dogs get the crumbs from the table, and uh, Jesus healed her daughter. But he had that focus, and that was good and loving that he had that focus. And so you are not better than Jesus. If Jesus had to focus his earthly ministry, you are going to need to focus your earthly ministry. Uh, the uh, next thing about audience is that you need to join the community you want to reach. If they won't accept you, you won't be able to resonate with them. If you hate science fiction and you want to write a book to fix science fiction, you will fail. Why? Because the people who read science fiction like science fiction. This is what was wrong with The Last Jedi, the most recent major Star Wars film. It wasn't made by Star Wars fans. It was made by people who didn't like Star Wars, and they were trying to fix something that millions of people didn't think was broken. So making Luke Skywalker a coward, making the Rebellion an incompetent, making Rey a nobody was a fix that broke Star Wars. People don't want Luke Skywalker to be a coward. They want him to be a hero. And they didn't do that. They didn't deliver that in the movie, which is why the Star Wars franchise has taken such a big hit. And this is a lesson that you can learn. Maybe you're not writing science fiction. Maybe you're writing Amish or you're writing romance. Uh, if you don't like Amish books, you are not going to succeed at writing Amish books because do you know who does like Amish books? The kinds of people who buy Amish books. And trying to write an, an Amish book to fix the Amish genre is like trying to make your own resonance. And it is very hard. It, was, it is almost impossible. Uh, and then, of course, you sometimes it helps to have somebody prepare the audience for your message. If you are trying to bring that change, if you're trying to get people to resonate to a different tune, resonate on a different frequency, get the swings to swing differently on the swing set, it helps to have somebody who goes ahead of you. This is what John the Baptist did for Jesus, right? He went ahead and started to get that resonance to change, to prepare the way for Christ's message. All right, so we talked about how resonance is about timing. We talked about how resonance is about audience. The third thing resonance is about is about listening. You need to be able to hear the music around you to be in tune with it. You need to be able to watch the swings. You get the idea. I'm beating these metaphors to death, I'm afraid. Uh, but as a novelist, this means watching the movies and listening to the music that your target readers read and watch. Uh, this is actually a real secret because people watch typically more movies than they read books. And so it's as important that you resonate with the kind of movies and TV shows that they like as you do with the kind of books that they read. And this is often a way where you can find an opportunity is if a lot of movies or TV shows on a certain topic that there aren't a lot of books on, there's your chance. <laughs> there's a chance to write a book with less competition. And of course, read the novels that your, your readers are reading. 
you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, I don't want to read the novels in my genre because I might get derivative ideas. And if that's your fear, one, you need to work on your craft more and on your voice. So that's not a fear. And two, you need to understand resonance because if you're too different, you're completely out of sync. You know, everyone is playing jazz and you're coming in and you're playing country and the jazz and the country just don't mesh. You need to be able to listen to the music to play along. Uh, as nonfiction authors, this means finding where the conversation about your topic is taking place. And then you need to join that conversation to listen. Now, depending on your topic, that conversation may be going on in many different places. Maybe it's happening amongst blogs, amongst influencers. Maybe it's happening amongst podcasters. Perhaps the conversation's going on on Reddit, or maybe it's going on on Facebook groups. If you don't know where the conversation is happening on your topic... You are not ready to write a book about that topic. If you're writing about parenting, if you're writing about uh, you know, spiritual gifts or whatever it is, you need to find where people are talking about that. The people who are interested in that topic, where do they gather together to discuss that topic? Now, occasionally there's a topic that people are very passionate about, and there's nowhere on the line for them to gather and discuss that topic. This almost doesn't exist anymore. This used to be very true in the early days of the internet, but now pretty much every topic has a place where people gather to talk about it. But if somehow you found a topic where people are not gathering around that topic, create the place, <laughs> create the venue where people can talk to each other about your topic and then listen to the questions they're asking about your topic. And then uh, practice resonating with them by writing blog posts on that topic that answer those questions. And watch your Google Analytics to see what is resonating. Look at the shares on Facebook and the comments, and you will see, oh, I have really struck a nerve with this post. Maybe perhaps I should write some more about it. You can know when you have finished your book that it is resonating with an audience by using this iterative approach. It's it's easier with nonfiction than it is with fiction because there's always some risk with fiction. You can't really test fiction the way you can test nonfiction. You can sort of with short stories, but even there, it's not as good of a test. With nonfiction, you can have you know a guaranteed base hit if you use this approach of listening, answering the questions, uh, and then watching the analytics on those questions on your blog or wherever to see if it is working. All right, so some final thoughts. Uh, resonance is so much more uh, than how many people follow you on social media. You can have a lot of followers, but that doesn't mean that you have resonance. And while platform can be a sign of resonance, it is not how you make resonance happen. Resonance is the horse and the follower count. How many people follow you is the cart that that horse drags behind it. Don't put the cart in front of the horse. Uh, tricks and games to get more traffic to your website or to get more followers to your Twitter isn't going to fix a resonance problem. And if you have good resonance and as you learn how to resonate better and stronger with your audience, as you learn how to be more in tune with the zeitgeist, to use our SAT word for the episode, the more followers you will have have. You know, you will have what Jesus experienced. He talked with Andrew and his message of the kingdom so resonated with Andrew that he ran and grabbed his brother, uh, Peter, and said, you've got to meet this man that I just met, right? It's the same thing that happened with the woman at the well. She resonated with Jesus' message and she ran to her town and said, you've got to come and meet this man who told me everything I ever did. And she drags her whole town out to see Jesus and he ends up spending two days there. That is resonance. And you can have that if you're willing to take the humble path that requires listening. And ultimately, if you want to write the kind of books that people want to read, 
you need to write the kind of books that people want to read. <laughs> that seems um, axiomatic, but a lot of authors think that they're the exception. They're like, oh, I want to write the story that's on my heart. I just want to do what I want to do, and I don't care if it's what other people want. And I think that that's a very selfish approach. You need to find where you can be true to yourself, but also resonate with the world around you. And as you learn who you are, as you learn who your, what your story is, what your song is, you will find the people who are singing similar music or, or whose song can resonate with your song. And when you find that, that's where you find your power. That's where you find your success. Trying to make your song work for a group of people that don't sing that kind of music is the path to frustration. I think a lot of frustrated authors, that's what, what's happening, is that they don't have the resonance. And they're complaining or they're frustrated that the world isn't resonating with them. And it's either that they're not listening to the music around them or they're just singing to the wrong audience. <laughs> you know, there's music that I love that my wife does not love and vice versa. And it's the same with novels. It's the same with uh, nonfiction works. The key to resonance is to reach beyond yourself, to have a servant's heart. Do you want followers? What do you have to do? Jesus gave us the answer. If you want to be first, you must serve. You must be last. Believe it or not, Jesus' instructions uh, still apply in the world of social media and online technology. It's still about service. Authors who write from a selfish place rarely have the vision to see how the swings around them are moving. And once you're willing to walk the selfless path, the humble path, you can see the swings and learn how and when to push them to see publishing succeed for you. Love to hear what you th uh, your thoughts. Feel free to leave a comment below. Our sponsor today is, as always, the Christian Writers Institute. And our session of the day is Platform with special guest Michael Hyatt. This is an hour-long conversation that I had with Hyatt right after his book came out in 2012. While this is an older talk, it's only $5 right now on the Christian Writers Institute. And if you use the coupon code podcast, you can save an additional 10%. That's your key coupon code podcast. Anything we mentioned here on the show, you can save 10% with the coupon code podcast at christianwritersinstitute.com. And this concludes our my three-part series of the three things that I'm looking for uh, as an agent. So I'm looking for courage, resonance, and hustle. And of course, we will have links to those, those other two episodes in the show notes. I'm Thomas Umstead Jr. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to The Christian Publishing Show. For more information and to get episodes delivered to your phone automatically, visit christianpublishingshow.com.